And sometimes the other person wants to keep you stuck in there because it makes them feel good. Is this codependency? I don't know, but yeah, I think it is. Like the other person wants you to stay in that cycle. And I've had this because it makes them feel comfortable because that's how they know to love you or be loved by you. And that's not healthy. you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, welcome to this month's instalment of The Juice with your very beautiful self. How are you? I'm good and it's birthday month this month. Oh my gosh, that means we're heading into Scorpio season then. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's my oil of the month this month is a Scorpio oil. Oh, just hit us with it straight away. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, seeing it's a Scorpio season in celebration of myself. And I thought the ruling planet of Scorpio is Pluto, which is all about our emotions, what lies beneath. Mm. It's the planet of transformation and evolution. I picked Juniper Berry. Mm. And Juniper Berry assists those who fear the dark or unknown aspects of themselves. And instead of hiding from what they do not understand, Juniper Berry encourages individuals to learn the lesson and face their fear. These fears often live within the unexplored areas of the self. So I thought that was very Scorpio. Very fitting. I love it so much. How beautiful. And birthday month. What are you doing? You're doing something really exciting, aren't you? Yes. In two days... So yeah, two days from now. So by the time this is launched, I'll be on a route to my uh, solo roadie for three weeks. That so, is so much fun. Yeah, Where are you, like I'm you're going excited. all through, like down to Queenstown. Is that right? Yeah, I'm flying into Wellington and I was actually hoping to pick up an RV, but they, for some weird fucking reason, don't, you can't get one-way RVs from Wellington to Queenstown. So anyway, I'm just hiring a car and I've literally got the first hotel booked and the last hotel booked Mm. and that's it. And I'm just going to go and see what happens. Oh my gosh. That freedom sounds so intoxicating. I'm just, (laughs) (laughs) I can't leave in my five kilometer bubble. And that just sounds like the most amazing thing I've ever. I'm sorry, Melbourne. (laughs) I was speaking to someone at work the other day. She was in Brisbane. I was setting up an interview and she's like, Oh, the great thing is I'm just getting my hair cut at the moment. So that'll work well. And I'm like, and I'm pride <laughs> internally, of course, but not to not to rain on your parade. That sounds really beautiful, and I'm so yeah excited for you. And I want to vicariously live through you, please. Yes, 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 yes. But it's really funny because um, I keep oscillating between. Oh, I can hear Ollie in the background. You know I what? Keep... I don't think that's my son. I think it's the cat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you couldn't hear it. Sorry, guys. It's the cat wanting even more food. He's on a diet. (laughs) I keep feeling really empowered and excited to spend some time by myself. And I've got 
not many plans, but lots of plans at once, you know, just to read and just, mm. you know, enjoy space by myself. And then the other side is that motherhood mind fuck where I'm like, I'm a bad mom. Why, how could I be leaving my child for three weeks? And, oh, that old chestnut. <sighs> yeah. So that's a fun um, one. And how have you yeah. been since our last ep? It's been a fair, I feel like it's been... I don't know. It feels like a hot minute, but also a fair few weeks. Where have you been? I feel fucking good now. Like, t- like last month when I told oh, you. Oh, you are going through the dark night of the soul last month. So oh, you were not happy yes, last I month. Yes, I was. I was not happy. And like therapy has been so fucking amazing. And then to top it off, I did this last installment of my um, meditation course. And it was so perfectly timed because it was talking all about uh, basically the dark night of the soul. I think I talked to you about, I can't even remember, mm-hmm. but basically it's talking about the dark night of the soul, but the position is, is that you can either resist it, which causes more suffering, which is what I was doing or, uh, surrender to it as graceful, gracefully as possible. So oh, it was beautiful. just, very, yeah, very fitting end to my dark night of the soul. Surrender seems to be the theme at the moment. That's how I'm feeling a little bit in Melbourne, although I've been getting pretty, Ah, pretty fed up. I think I'm um, tapping into how everyone else is feeling now. We're all done, but um, COVID cases are not done. So that's been a bit of a fun time. Um, nothing has interesting has happened with me since because <laughs> I can't do anything. Actually, I had a picnic with some of my friends yeah, I was on say, Saturday. Yes, and I'm, I'm lucky. And it was so much fun. It was my best friend's birthday, her 30th. And we had a few hours of social interaction. And I had one drink because I had my son with me and I would, you know, we were in a park anyway and I was driving. Um, and then I spent the whole next day completely hung over, which I couldn't have been hung over, but feeling all the symptoms of being hung over. And uh, that just goes to show what happens when you finally have some social interaction after months of being locked in your home. So uh, that's interesting. And it's going to be interesting actually when life kind of reopens again and what we're going to do. I feel like we're all going to be like a bit like, you know, when someone like (laughs) takes takes the shield off like a roof and like the sun just comes glaring in and we're all just going to be looking up like (laughs) not knowing what to do. Um. So that's it with me, really. I've got a card for you. Would you like to hear it? Yes, I was going to sneak peek and then I was like, no, better not. I'm so glad you didn't because your card this month is the Wheel of Fortune. And that's a major card, which makes it even more significant. And the wheel is always turning and life is a a state of constant change. If you're going through a difficult time, rest assured, it does get better from here. At the same time, if things are going well, no two life may return to normal soon. This cycle shows why it's so important to cherish the joyful moments and make the best of them because they don't last and life is fluid. The Wheel of Fortune can show a critical turning point in your life, opportunities you could never imagine are suddenly available to you, and you have the chance to make a significant change in your life. While it might be unexpected, this is an invitation to turn things around and go in an entirely new direction. Thank you. That's you good. Feel? That goes with my oil. Oh, yes, very much so. And I pulled for me the star, which is my mine and my son's card. He just loves this card. So I loved it when I pulled this. And you have endured many challenges and stripped yourself bare of any limiting beliefs previously that previously held you back. You're uncovering who you are beneath the layers. No matter what life throws you away, you know you're always connected to the divine. You hold a new sense of self, a new appreciation for the core of your being and feel truly blessed by the universe and you're entering a peaceful loving phase in your life 
exhale. That's a nice one. Hey, After can I say something? Random? Three years of three lot bit longer, four years of um turmoil. Thank you, the star. <laughs> sure. You've you've got a nice voice. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you finally realized that. After I was just watching you talk and I was like, you talk and you are a newsreadery person, right? <laughs> you know, in a, was a TV journal in a past life. But don't you think voices are fucking weird? Like So weird. I don't understand. Open your mouth and fucking sound comes out. It's a bizarre. And why doesn't my voice sound like your voice? I always think that about like when I listen to all my son speak, he's obviously got a four-year-old voice. I'm like, this is going to transform into a man voice one t- one day. What's that going to sound like? Go jumping from that. <laughs> I would like to know what you're reading, watching, and listening to, please. I am watching Emily in Paris, and if you haven't watched Same. it, you absolutely need to because it is just mindless, like base. What ronga on? What is it? Rongard, basic. It's just a basic TV show. It's so basic. It's fun. <laughs> so fun. So fun. And I'm reading The Body Keeps Score. Uh, I'm not even going to say his last name. Actually, I'll try it. It's Bessel van der Kolk, and it is about trauma. I am reading, I've just started All Our Shimmering Skies by Trent Dalton, which he's the most, he is the author of Voice Follows Universe. Voice Follows Universe, which is one of my favorite books. He's just such an incredible writer. writer. So I've just started that. Um, I was also watching Emily in Paris, which I've got in in brackets, basic AF. I was hate watching it last Thursday because I was was supposed to. My son was was with his dad and I really just didn't want to go for a walk. I didn't want to do self-work. I just wanted to go and meet a friend for dinner somewhere. And obviously we're not allowed to because I, you know, lockdown vibes. Um, so I just binge watched all of Emily in Paris and I was just sitting there with my arms crossed in the shittiest <laughs> mood, just think, thinking alone, just thinking to myself, gee, Paris is beautiful. Gee, she's got a nice outfit on there. My God, he's hot. And then, but like just in this really like pessimistic way, look, it's not great. It's not a great show, but it's definitely worth Tuning into Are you kidding? I like, loved it. Oh gosh, it was really, really. I love shows. It was what I need right brain. now. That was right. Yeah. What I really right need right now. I need some. And I did finish Revenge, which was so sad. I took about a day or two of mourning that. And I'm listening to and Bunga Bunga, which is really fun. It's um about Silvio Berlusconi, and it's about his rise in Italy and his downfall. It's actually really, really, really fun. And all he, the crazy shit that he got up to and crazy Italian politics in the eighties and nineties. And even recently, um, it's definitely worth a listen. And lastly, before we get to our first segment, I want to know what you're doing to support yourself, please. Fucking going on my trip, bitch. So true. Having some fun, like just I'm not taking. I'm just doing like bare minimum work. I'm literally taking my journal, some books to read, and just just going with the flow every day. That is my self care for October. Mine is that I completed a seven day breathwork challenge with <gasps> the O2 Awaken. I think they've changed Awaken. It They're called now Awaken, um, and that was really epic. I've done, if you haven't looked into them, I'll put, pop them in the show notes. We've done um, when they've been in New Zealand and when they've been in Australia and they travel the world. Well, not right now, but they travel the world um, holding these breathwork workshops and they hosted um, seven days of breathwork uh, that they led each morning and 
on the final day, they actually led us through a longer breath work, like 20, 30 minutes. And I just had some really profound release through that. And oh gosh. And just that combined with the somatic therapy I'm doing at the moment, I'm just letting go and getting so much. So I could feel the, this, this horrible trauma and things I've gone through and things that are still being stored in my body really just vanishing and and going and me, well, not vanishing. It's always going to be a part of me, but I could feel myself letting it go. So it's been a big few weeks and that's it. All right. So this is a big one. I'm going to leave this one. (laughs) Yeah. So feeling triggered. Yeah. What's got you feeling triggered, girl? What is feeling triggered? What does it mean to feel triggered? Uh, I think... Okay. I want to say a whole bunch of things that make me sound really professional, but I'm going to preface this and say that I am not a professional on trauma or anything like that. And when I speak from this point forward, I'm speaking from my own personal experience with my own trauma and what I've been doing to work through that, move through that and process all of those experiences for my life. So I'm not a trauma expert psychologist or anything like that. So please seek help if you are experiencing trauma or want support, but here is my experiences and understanding from my point of view. Um, but I was really, I don't know why I didn't like the word triggered. It gets thrown around quite a bit. I think people use the word trigger anytime something triggers an emotional or physical response to something. Um, but I, I feel like that is minimizing like the actual trauma itself, which like for me being triggered is when an encounter literally triggers a fight or flight response and you become trapped um, or unable to escape these loops uh, of a memory or event that you haven't yet processed um, or your trauma memory or whatever it is. But um, yeah, so I think that's what, trigger is, is being triggered is triggering that fight or flight response within yourself. Mm. Um, but I think people use it for a lot of situations. And I think this is again, my personal opinion that we need to be a little bit more specific with what we're experiencing. Like, I don't like that. That made me feel uncomfortable. Those aren't necessarily trauma responses. Um, well, they may be, but I think it's really important to be much more specific about what we're feeling when we're feeling uncomfortable, when a situation presents itself that makes us feel uncomfortable. Rather than being an actual psychological trigger. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure of the nuances, but that's just how I feel about using the word trigger. I'm very careful about my language that I use because I think your language speaks truth about something going on in your life, some, some deeper understanding of subconscious belief that you have running. And so I'm very thoughtful about the words that I use. And I really use that to question and be curious about what I'm thinking and triggered is one of those words. Like, I think if you think about triggered, I feel like you're pulling a gun. Like it's a very mm. dramatic, sudden. yes, sudden, frightening event. Um, if you have a run in with somebody and they upset you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being triggered by a deep held belief that you have that comes Mm. from a trauma event. 
What I find so interesting about the feeling of feeling triggered, and I can only draw again on my experience as I'm not qualified whatsoever, but I just, just want to talk to how, how this has shown up in my life, mm-hmm. is that it can, be, it can correspond to every sense that you have. So one for me is back a few years ago when my ex and I broke up and it was, very, it was a very traumatic, stressful, horrible time. It was autumn and it was starting to become cold, get that chill in the air in Melbourne. And till this day, when it starts to get around April of the year, in the year, I can smell and the same smell of that chill in the air as I smelt back then. And I'm instantly transported to that time and that confusion and that pain and that anguish, that utter anguish that I was experiencing. So I find that's a really interesting layer for me is that it can come in so many different forms. It can be watching something on the TV that reminds me of my situation or Mm -hmm. I was reading an article the other week about all these horrendous allegations that have come out against NRL stars, uh, cheating, domestic violence, uh, emotional abuse, And I read the article and I felt really worked up and really activated by the end of it because a lot of it I could see is some parallels. Activated is a good word. With what I felt had happened in my life. Obviously, definitely not, you know, every situation is so different, but I could just draw some, some parallels between it. And that really activated me. And I had to, by the end, I was, I was just, I was really worked up. And that to me is a trigger because I could read something else that is very sad and elicit a big emotion from me and I'll be crying, but I'm not necessarily triggered by that. Um, and then it can also become, you know, smell is the sense that's most linked sense that's most linked to your memory. So it can even just be sometimes smelling um, the perfume or the aftershave that someone wore or the deodorant or the washing powder that they might wash their clothes in, or uh, yeah, it can be, I guess even food, the smell of food or something can kind of trigger you. And when I feel triggered, I kind of feel like it's like in a movie when you're going through a vortex back to a moment um, and you're right there and you can feel it and you can see it and you can smell it and you can taste it. You can, it's right there in front of you. And I think initially those triggers were a lot more powerful and potent initially for me. But now I have the tools through working with a therapist and through working even with you as my life coach over the last few years to try and really recognize when I am feeling that activation Mm -hmm. and then try and dismantle the stories around that activation. Um, And then try then hopefully come to from a place that I'm then responding to the activation and the trigger rather than reacting to it. And I think that's a massive thing. So I think I got, I'm not sure it's from, but I'm pretty sure it's from Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul, but he talks about how we store trauma in our minds and and how that shows up for us. So our senses or our perception doesn't discriminate. Um, If we're experiencing some kind of shocking event that makes us feel like our life is threatened, we take a snapshot of everything going around that has to do with our senses. So he said, maybe we're in a cafe and a gunman comes in and we're drinking coffee and we're listening to a Guns N' Roses um, song. I don't know why I say Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at uh, a bright orange billboard or something like that. And our brain will take 
a photograph of that and store that and say that when our life felt threatened, these are the things that were going on. And then let's say three weeks down the track, you're driving in the car and that same Guns N' Roses song comes on. Your body and your mind are so clever um, and so good at protecting you that it will say last time the song came on, you are under threat and it will cause a stress response in your body uh, in order to activate the fight or flight response to help you survive. Um, and so it's very interesting. Like for me, it's loud noises because I was screamed at and yelled at constantly as a child. And so I can't like raised voices are very tr triggering for me. They cause me to really withdraw inward. I want to retreat from wherever I am. I want to be away from the noises. Um, and I get very overwhelmed very quickly by a lot of noise. So I can't really usually go to, I used to be able to go to concerts and festivals a lot, but I had to take a lot of drugs and drink a lot so that, you know, your focus becomes very pinpoint. Wow. Yeah. So you can almost drown out what your body is, how your body is trying to respond. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm using drugs and alcohol, was using drugs and alcohol to elicit a more favorable chemical response in my brain so that mm. I can enjoy stuff like that. I tend not to anymore. And if I do, I've gone to one concert in like three years and I felt like hungover for about five days yeah. afterwards. Sorry. But I enjoyed the concert, but it was... Yeah. And these so, responses can be so varied for people. Um, just some mm. research I did, you know, these are just mine, those are yours, but you can, you can elicit fear, sadness, panic, flashbacks, and flashback is a big one. I can feel like I'm always, as I said, sucked back in and pain as well as any physical symptoms associated with these emotions, shaking, loss of appetite, fainting, fatigue, and so on. And my God, can I, you know, when I'm activated and I'm on, like it's, it's shaky. It's, you know, instantly I can't eat anything. Um, and then what then happens, you know, for me is once that trigger is then my body then addresses that there is no threat. It's like mm. this crash plummet down to utter fatigue where I just can't even hardly move. And my body gets achy because it's just, my body is so stressed and overwhelmed with it. Uh, you know, it, it's so varied, but I think it's just, you know, linked by this common theme of just feeling completely activated by an event that happened in the past that your body has stored and feels unable to move on from for whatever reason. Yeah. I've um, got this quote from this book that I'm reading, The Body Keeps Score. Can I read it? Go ahead. It says, we have learned that trauma is not just an event that took place sometime in the past. It is also the imprint left by that experience on mind, brain, and body. This imprint has ongoing consequences for how the human organism manages to survive in the present. The act of telling the story doesn't necessarily alter the automatic physical and hormonal responses of bodies that remain hypervigilant. Mm. So I just thought, like a really good explanation yeah that sounds really good what's going on imprint but I think trauma is very personal experience and I know in the past I used to have this um I guess it was a way that I would protect myself as well as that I felt like I could only relate to people that had also experienced trauma so I kind of drew a line in the sand with people whose trauma I can relate to or who I felt like had I don't know being unquote, through what enough, you yeah bad enough trauma and people who hadn't so there was two camps that people lived in in my life and that created a really big separation between me and other people because 
trauma is not something you speak about very often. That's why I think it's so important to have these kinds of conversations because everyone's experience is so unique and different. And my experience doesn't take away from anybody else's and anybody else's experience doesn't take away from mine. But I was very black and white back then. And I was like, what have you got to complain about? I was very numb to people who I felt like hadn't gone through what I had gone through. And some children had experienced worse beatings than me. And so I felt less than, and I felt like I couldn't own my trauma. And then some people had it. Yeah. Like an internal competition about, am I worthy enough to have this kind of trauma? Even it was Mm. a really bizarre thought process to be stuck in. And I think that's when you notice, and I've certainly noticed in my life and what you were saying is that trauma bond that you can bond to somebody, bond with somebody because you've got this shared trauma or this shared mutual understanding about mm. what the other has gone through. Or then in my, and then in my case, I think I, I, I felt almost this trauma bond to the partner I had after my ex-fiance because he almost took it on as part of him. Mm. And so then we'd feel we were so bonded by what I had been through and his role in helping me through it, that that becomes the intrinsic bond between the two of you. And that's just one example. I know of many of of people I know that I guess are bonded because they've had similar traumas or, or they just know trauma and then therefore they think no one else could possibly understand. Yeah. I was definitely like nobody else could possibly, and you just don't talk about it. And then when you find that one person that you feel I mean, safety is for me, definitely with my trauma, learning how to feel safe with other people is like the biggest, I guess, journey that I'm going on because I don't believe people, I haven't in the past believed people are safe. So when you find that person that you think is safe, you attach onto them and maybe vice versa. And you feel like it's safe to explore your past, explore your trauma, uh, relate to people. You, you know, like relating for me has definitely been very difficult on that deep, more vulnerable level. Like I can relate to people very easily on a surface level experience, but that vulnerability that requires you that, yeah. So it was just, but it's kind of unhealthy because you're needing that other person in order to move through your discomfort. There's no, autonomy there's no I see it as like this kind of synergy between two people that it's just like this kind like I, I always felt that in that relationship I was never really going to move past it because I was always living in it and it was just like this synergy just going between the two of us just keeping that bond alive and who was I and without? sometimes the other person wants to keep you stuck in there because it yeah. makes them feel good Is this codependency? I don't know, but yeah, I think it is. Like the other person wants you to stay in that cycle. And I've had this because it makes them feel comfortable because that's how they know to love you or be loved by you. And that's not healthy. What's your experience been like with you just touching on then codependency? How's that shown up in your life? Um, Pretty much every relationship that I've ever had, but certainly like in love relationships, I know with my, I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. Shall I yell out to him? No, he'll be fine. He's in there. <laughs> he won't listen. Let me talking about our codependent relationship. <laughs> um, I know definitely with my ex-husband, like m- 
trauma and codependency was showing up in my life and that I felt, I really honestly felt like I had to give something in order to be loved, um, in order to, for, you know, and he was the opposite where he, uh, and he liked to keep me in that space. And he's, he's the nicest, sweetest guy as well. This is the thing, like he is acting so unconscious as well that he doesn't even realize that that's his, um, structure that he's got set up. But I needed to give in order to feel loved and he felt loved by taking mm. kind of a thing. And so when I moved out of that cycle and my values shifted, he was really reaching to keep me in that space where his happiness depended on how much I was giving him. And if I wasn't giving him anything anymore, then he didn't know himself, I guess. Mm. And so his happiness was dependent upon me being in that relationship, giving, giving, giving. Yeah. Um, it sounds like an extremely, yeah, very similar dynamic to that relationship. I said it was that. The fixer as well as another. And I, and you were, I attracted that in because that's what I wanted. I wanted to be fixed and I wanted to be rescued from all the pain because I didn't mm-hmm. believe that I could do it by myself and I needed someone else to shoulder the burden of all the pain. So it became very, I guess, codependent. But then also I didn't have the skills at that time to also have a healthy relationship. I remember I was, wasn't there for him like I should mm-hmm. have been there for him because I didn't have the capacity to. I was completely spent from the year before, yet I was yeah. letting someone else into my life that needed me to give something back when all I was doing was taking. And then when he would want something back, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have that yeah. within me. And I thought I, have, I actually hold a lot of guilt when I think back to that, because he's a really good person. And I really, I wasn't actually ready for the relationship for a relationship, not that relationship, just any relationship in general. And I expected so much and I took so much and I didn't give anything back. And that is so not my nature. That is so removed from who I usually am in relationships, which just goes to show for me that that's how that my past trauma was impacting that current relationship at the time. It was coming, it was still so present. It was still so on the surface and it was changing the landscape of who I actually was and how I connect with people because it was still so prevalent and I hadn't actually dealt with it. And now uh, that's been almost two years since that relationship ended and I haven't had anyone in my life since then. And now that's evolved into this thinking and this pattern of all men suck. Men can't be trusted. I don't need a man around anyway. I'm doing it by myself anyway. I'd rather be here by myself owning it and not having to worry about someone coming home late than have to deal with, you know, another, a man's shit. And in many ways, I guess that's come from being very badly burnt, but also, you know, and they are good boundaries to set. You know, I don't want someone to come in and hurt me, which I think is a very reasonable boundary. But when you also set that boundary, you also put, I guess, a cage around your heart from anyone getting in and giving you any of the opposite feeling of love, of safety, of security, of friendship, Mm. because you've closed off all the bad you can't just close off the bad and only allow the good in. It closes off everything. So I can see that trauma 
still showing up for me in this pattern I have now. And I can, I feel like it's really given me almost this energetic shield of no one can, can come in because I, I don't let them and I wouldn't let them anyway, even if the opportunity came. And that's, it's kind of, it's kind of horrifying. You know, I want someone to come into my life, but when I really sit with it, I'm like, okay, would I, could I come have someone come into my life that I, um, you know, that I questioned what they were doing and what they were up to. Is that the kind of life I want to live? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put the barriers shut. We're back shut again. So. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the same for me. Like I was because of my trauma and not feeling safe with the very people who are meant to love me, like, you know, the very people who are meant to look after me were also my abusers. Uh, my mum and dad, my mum was verbally and psychologically abusive and for anyone who doesn't know. And my dad was very violent and physically abusive and left marks on us and I'd go to school with black eyes and whatnot. And so your um, the people who are meant to love you and care for you unconditionally make you feel like nobody could ever love you and that loving people and letting people into your life isn't safe. And so I did like one of two things. One was the over people pleasing, like trying to get people's love by doing things for other people. The other thing I would do is like be very black and white with people and just cut them out of my life and not give them a second thought. If I felt like they threatened my sense of self, I guess, actually, like just my sense of self-worth illusion I had created for myself that I'm okay and lovable. And then um, I can't remember what the third thing is, but I remember like after my husband and I separated and then my next relationship, he was a giver. And I was, so I switched roles because I was like, this is my right. Mm. I deserve to be looked after. I deserve to, and I became the taker and he became the giver. And we were both happy in that. It was another form of codependency. And then when I shifted out of that loop, again, finally finding some healthy balance, quote unquote balance, Mm. some harmony um, in our relationship, you know, that's very scary because I've changed the status quo for mm. him. And so he reaches, which causes me to pull away. That activates my um, avoidant traits. Uh, and I remember thinking like, what is the cost of my safety? And it is connection, deep connection with people, you know, like I would say, I don't need anybody. I'm happy by myself. Um, you can't rely on other people is kind of the, the thoughts that would be going on underneath. And the reality is, is that there were times when I was lonely and I did want to have somebody around and I was denying myself that truth because I didn't want to get hurt. I don't want to put myself in a position where I was vulnerable to somebody else. What does that look like then? You know, we've discussed the giver and the taker and that, how that kind of dynamic plays out. And, and, you know, we've both just said we've played both those roles with my ex-fiance. I was definitely the giver. Um, And then I did the exact same thing. I flipped then when I had my next relationship because I wanted to take, I wanted to, you know, have it all. What does that then look like? when it is, does have that beautiful synergy, that beautiful balance, that beautiful equal give and take, you know, maybe this is almost trauma speaking. I don't know what that actually looks like. What does that look like in a relationship? I don't know. I don't think, 
I don't, this could come into like this whole thing of balance that we've talked about this week, but I don't believe that there is equal give and take in relationships. I know for myself that anything in life is cyclical and you have ebbs and flows. So there's going to be times when I'm going to be able to give more, maybe because other areas of my life don't need so much from me. And there are times when the other person is going to need to give more because I'm not as available as they are. And I think that's the beautiful, healthy flow between one another and not needing the other person to be anything other. I think it's more about attachment and needing fulfillment and validation outside of yourself Mm. creates much better flow and synergy and health in a relationship Mm. than necessarily well, if you how think much of, one gives or takes. If you think of a relationship you know of now, just in your life, someone else's relationship that you think is a good balanced, balance again in quotation marks, a good relationship where there's kind of equal give and take, what is it that they've got you think that that has made that possible? Communication. Being able to communicate what they feel, like my healing experience for myself as well has been being able to communicate even just with myself, like what is going on within me for me to think or act the way that I do. Mm. Being able to know what is going on in my landscape of my emotional, spiritual, physical self so that I can communicate that outwardly. And I see that in the relationships that I do think are successful, what I see is healthy communication, frequent communication, um, and a willingness to ebb and flow with, with each other, you know, not both withdraw at the same time. And yeah. Yeah. And maybe to be accountable and take responsibility for oh, 100%. Yeah. your own part and things as well. And I feel like this really ties really beautifully into Uh, a segment we plan to do, which is about balance. And it's, you know, the question I've got posed here is, is balance realistic? And I'd Mm. love to know what you think is, what is, what is balance? What is balance? I got a lot to say about this. And what does it look like to live a life in balance? Do you know anyone that lives a life in balance? Can we ever achieve that? And go. Okay. Firstly, Like I am guilty of using the word balance here and there, but my understanding of it and how it's used, not saying that my mind is right and other people's isn't, but people talk about balance being outside of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. The things that they can try to control and manipulate the external environment in order to try and achieve inner peace and harmony. For me, balance is an internal experience and like doesn't matter what I'm doing outside of myself. It's how am I feeling on the inside? But balance really is what we try to achieve. It's like the perfect meeting of two opposing things. And I always use this example about a seesaw. I always use this example of two children sitting on a seesaw and you imagine the amount of effort and energy it takes for those two children to perfectly meet so that they are 100% opposite each other completely balanced so much effort so much energy and it would be maintained for perfect balance would be maintained for one split moment in time and then they would be completely out of balance again 
Um, and so that's exactly what happens in life. You know, people are trying to balance work and life by using a lot of energy to exert and control the external circumstances and the hopes that they will feel good. And life just doesn't work like that. Life is cyclical. Life ebbs and flows. And it really depends upon where your priorities are at any given time. Like for example, Sometimes my work requires more of me and it means I have to step out of other areas of my life and ask for help. Sometimes mothering requires more of me and it means I have to step away from work and ask for help. You know, life is about ebbs and flows in and out tides coming in and going out and, and we need to stop trying to manipulate our external experience and start thinking about life ecology and how things work in harmony with each other, the flow of many parts of our life with each other that is much more important than trying to figure out and manipulate balance in our lives. It's not achievable. Totally, 150%. I resonated with that so much. My idea of balance has always been completely reliant and determined by the external. So if my work life and career life and my mum life and my personal life and my health, I imagine they're all like spinning plates that I had the power to all just keep up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do that. And the perfectionist in me would say, oh, shit, the, the, the health one, you know, you've been eating crap and you haven't been exercising enough has dropped really because I'm working so much, having time to cook a lot of my meals. Okay. You're not doing a good job. You're not in balance. You need to find that balance. And then the stress that would cause in my life, because I wasn't holding up all these plates to be this perfect woman, this perfect mother, this perfect partner, this perfect employee meant that I was failing. So unless all the plates were up in the air and then in perfect alignment, something was wrong. And that just causes, as I just said, it caused so much more stress than I needed to cause. But as you said, sometimes, you know, even a perfect example, I've been working a lot lately. I've just been called in for way more shifts and I've said yes to them. And I've been, you know, promoted to this new role in there with a lot more responsibility. And that plate and you know I'm very visual that plate just happens just to be a little bit higher at the moment and it also means that you know I came home at 8 p.m put my son to bed brushed his teeth kissed him and then said I had to go you know we have this interview because the work and career is plate is just spinning a little bit higher once upon a time my story would have been what a bad mum you are you know you're supposed to be spending time with him he's only little for so long and that, but that's such a waste of time and energy as totally, well like but really- the ebb and flow will go that way as well and then we have I'm working again tomorrow, but then we have then like two solid days before he's off with his dad just to spend some time and connect and it will tip back that way again. Mm. And I think it's just such a myth and it's such an illusion and it's such almost like patriarchal bullshit that women are sold that that's what a perfect woman looks like and does. She's constantly juggling and she's constantly trying to uh, figure out that balance. And only once she's got that balance, then she's succeeded. And yeah. it's just, it's so much stress on us and, and pressure and so on us. Like, it's actually so dumb, this idea that we can ever achieve any idea of perfection. Like, it, like perfect is not the goal in life. It really is not the goal in life. And it's, it means that we're always striving for something that is not achievable. It's also not 
relevant. Outside of us. It's always all outside of me. Exactly. We're living outside of the human curriculum. If we're trying to achieve a godlike status in our life, it's not the point of our human experience. I just think it's just so fucked up that that's, that's our goal. What should we be striving for instead? Because, you know, I think there is an argument to be had around, you know, you don't want to then completely prioritize one area of life and everything falls away. And that's when you can feel, I guess, out of alignment with yourself. What should we be striving for instead rather than? I think we should be striving for everything, anything. Like the word strive itself is insinuates that stress and pushing ourselves out of our boundaries instead of like listening to what we're internally being guided towards, you know, I think we need to just like chill out a little bit about life. And if you're enjoying work, allow yourself to enjoy work. And if it suddenly one day doesn't become enjoyable, then find what is the next most aligned thing for you to be enjoying. I feel like, like for me right now, I am striving in work because I took on, I said yes to fast from many things. Uh, and then I had an emotional breakdown last month. So that wasn't planned, but <laughs> my internal, like I could try and on top of that, be an amazing mom. And on top of that, maintain my household. And on top of that, look after my physical well being. I don't fucking have time. Mm. I have to honor that. But internally, I know that I'm feeling really 100% ready to step away from work and put some attention on parenting and put some attention on self-care. Mm. Um, so it doesn't have to be harmony, all nothing. Is that harmony then? I would feel, I mean, that feels harmonious inside for me right now, based on my state of consciousness and awareness today, this time next year, it would completely change again, depending on what I've learned in the next year. Like, it is an ever-changing, ever-moving uh, focal point, I suppose, depending on what's required of you, what's the need of the time, what you're feeling internally based on your ego structure, your model that you've created for your world, the healing part of your healing journey that you're at. So I just think it's like, how do I feel on the inside? Do I feel good? Do I feel in harmony? Answer yes. Answer no. What can I do to bring myself into some kind of alignment? I think as well with balance, we try and like add things in to try and balance things out. You know, like Mm. if I'm working, I better add in some mothering. So I feel good there instead of realizing, well, actually sometimes balance requires us to take some things out and, and level things out that way, I suppose. Um, Harmony sounds like it's a lot more, it has a lot more fluidity then. It's a lot it more It is very much more fluid. It and it's a lot more between each other. Rather than balance being this unattainable kind of goal that we think we have to achieve. But I do want to now just take a couple of steps back and just address a couple of the topics we've discussed, which are really big for lack of a better word. It's a very, they're very big topics. Um, you know, feeling triggered, being triggered by and activated by past events, um, reacting to these, to these events and feeling it deep within your body, noticing perhaps through this conversation that your past trauma is impacting your relationships, either with the people around you or yourself, or maybe even both. What do you think, you know, 
what's a great way to kind of move through that and help heal that and let, let love in to try and heal those parts of you that still feel so activated and are still yeah, bringing in the past to play a huge role in your present. Um, doing the work, man, just completely doing the work. Like the thing is, is we're going to keep continuing to get triggered if we don't actually work on and process the triggers because they keep coming up for us so that we can escape that loop. So we can actually like process that memory, put it to bed or find a deeper layer of that same trauma experience. So they're going to keep coming up. They're not going to fucking go away. So you can make a decision to live with it. And they'll probably get worse because every time you have a stress response or a trigger, you're going to add more and more things into that memory bank, I suppose. So you can either make a decision to live with it or to deal with it. That's the first step, I think. And I don't know, steps to take. Fucking get a therapist. Yeah. Noticing as well what activates you. Noticing, yes. Doing something about it. Like you can observe i know so many people they're like i'm triggered by this and then three years on they're still talking about the same fucking triggers like they're not going to go away until you do something about them either through help from somebody qualified to do so by having vulnerable conversations with people that you feel safe with exploring your own internal landscape through art writing i mean writing is, is so good because you are literally putting the images and the the things in your brain onto a piece of paper and you're almost like what would you say like separating yourself from it so that you can sort of objectively look at it it allows you to almost i think journaling is really great because it allows you to be an observer of what your mind is Mm. thinking so it's it creates a level of separation that you're writing it but it almost feels like it's coming from somewhere deeper within yourself than just your ego or just your physical self writing it it's yeah. coming from somewhere deeper and i think just being really you know noticing why you get why you get triggered why is this past trauma coming back into mm. relationships why do you feel so out of balance that then you have to maybe you know as you said feel like you've got to add more things in okay i'm now feeling out of shape now i'm going to exercise and run 10 kil- kilometers every single day and mm. just pack it on more um you know pack in my life more just being really observant and curious about why it's happening and having a lot of empathy as well. I think I used to feel really angry at myself that I was still triggered by things that had happened years ago that I should have been over by now. Yeah. But really that was just past a past old outdated pattern that was still just coming up to protect me and look after me and keep me safe. And how can I hate that when it's just designed to look after me. All I can do in that is just give it love back and understand why I might be reacting like that and, and processing that in a really, really real time way, like journaling it, talking it out with a professional, doing some kind of body energetic work, like say kinesiology or the somatic therapy that we're doing, Uh, really, really being the observer in your life and understanding that I guess that we, you, me, I am the only one that's responsible for unlocking myself from my past. Yeah. It's really funny. Like if I think about like how my healing journey has evolved, 
Um, and if I was to think of like, if I didn't have the financial means to go to therapy immediately, because I understand that's a very real experience for people, there's definitely things that you can be doing. Um, and one would be just starting to notice small things. So if you're having a physical or an emotional response to, uh, something someone is saying or doing, or just any particular external event really, but you're noticing a very uncomfortable reaction to it. I would get out a pen and paper and I would um, just write about what is going on for you. Like, what are you feeling? What memories are coming up for you? Um, where are you feeling it? Can be really yeah, good. Where are you feeling it? Um, and just start to see where your mind, don't force it. Just, just see where you feel safe to go within your memories as you're writing or just allow the writing to flow out of you. Um, and that is a really great start to bringing things into your awareness. You'll be like, huh, I notice when I hear loud noises, I get really, really upset. And I think this is because X, Y, Z. And you can just kind of allow yourself to explore. Because if you're just thinking about it and it's in your head, and like I think something ridiculous, like 95% of our thoughts are actually repetitive. And so if you actually write it down, then you're able to allow new thoughts to come in as you sort of like empty your mind of the old thought through the writing process. And that's like a great simple thing that is available to everybody. And it's not about being a great writer. I know a lot of people have resistance to journaling because they don't like their writing or they don't know how to write, but really it is if you can think and you have the ability to handwrite then you can write because you're literally just copying your own words onto a piece of paper. And then a second thing is, is start to inform yourself because when you start to inform yourself and give yourself knowledge um, and be discerning with your sources of information and where you get help from, because there are some people that will take you places that you're not ready to go and it will be very shocking to the system. Uh, especially when you're dealing with trauma. So just be mindful that if you, you are working with somebody, don't be swayed by um, low prices or anything like that. Mm. But definitely getting books, like this is a great book, The Body Keeps Score, where you can just like inform yourself about physically and emotionally what's happening for you inside of your body um, when you're having these uncomfortable feelings and experiences come up and not running from it because there are lessons there, but also not pushing yourself too far that you basically like activate yourself too much and you can't get out of it. It's a good one because some of our, our, our triggers we actually have to live with. And I know my, um, my son's dad, although it peaks and troughs that relationship and it can go through really good times overall, he's quite a huge trigger to me for various reasons, but I can't run away from that. I can't cut him out. I can't, it's just has to be part of my life in one way or another. So it is, this work is really vital. If it's something that you do have to live with, it could be a parent or a part, you know, and you know, you could be co-parenting or, um, and learning to over time, just lessen the activation, which does come. A really good resource, just adding to your resources as well, is Byron Katie. 
She does. Oh, yes. It's called The Work. And she has a podcast. It's a free podcast on Apple Podcasts. Well, I can listen to it on that. I'm sure probably on Spotify as well. And she goes through real-time therapy sessions with people by asking them these really simple questions. And when I've listened to her do the work is what it's called, Mm -hmm. I apply it to my own life and I can see where I'm getting my own self stuck. In that I asked really one powerful. of the questions she asks is, is it true? And I asked myself that a lot. And I remember in the beginning when you're starting to do this, it's really, really, really hard work because it's not natural for you to question yourself like this. And it's not really natural. It certainly wasn't for me. It was very uncomfortable and I had no basis for understanding like how I need. Now it's much easier I can recognize it and I can work it, but that's, I'm five years deep. Like if I was in the beginning, Mm. if I was to say, is it true? Like I would be very angry, very defending my position. Like, no, I'm fucking right. Like they're wrong. I'm right. It's not true. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever, whatever the story that I tell myself Mm. it is. But, um, but it is actually a really powerful question because when I ask myself, is it true? Most of the time I'm like, no, it's Mm -mm. not like, it's just, something that I'm telling myself so that I can soothe the really fucking uncomfortable feelings that I'm feeling right now. But that is, you know, if you skip over that, but you're kind of like bypassing a little bit. I think that's all we have time for on this very late late night recording of the juice. I still got two more hours of work to do. (laughs) Are you serious? I need to let you go then. Thank you so much for all of your beautiful words of wisdom and advice. I've loved this chat. It's flowed so effort- effortlessly. In my late night rambles. I, I was love just it. Thinking, she was like, I don't want to do it late night. And I was like, girl, we often talk on Voxer till freaking ridiculous hours. I loved morning. it. As we said as well, you know, always reach out to a qualified professional. If this is something that, you know, has brought up something within you and something you feel like you need to deal with, please do that. Um, please seek professional help and you know the help is available I know in Australia I'm not sure in New Zealand you can go to the doctor you can go to the GP and get a mental health plan um, and that pays for 10 sessions with a psychologist so you know it is accessible so I think that's important to know as well thank you so much once again I better let you get thank back you, my to girl. all your work right. bye. bye thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Juice with Money Barry and I hope you liked it and got something out of it. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find Moni at Monique Barry underscore. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. And I know I say it every week, but if you have a spare minute, I'd be so appreciative if you could hit five stars, leave a review and hit subscribe. That helps boost the podcast and will mean it'll land in the earphones of people who perhaps really need it. So I'd be very, very, very appreciative. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.